0: Are tackling some of the world's biggest social challenges so that you can learn from those who have been there before, helping you in your decision making and action taking. I am very fortunate that I live in the UK. It's a beautiful and special part of our planet, but very grey and quite soggy at this time of year. If you're anything like me, scheming to travel to dreamier places, have you ever thought about the greenness of the places you might travel to? There is one thing to think about going on your kind of eco-holiday, but completely another to think about greening up those places that cater for many of us in one go, specifically hotels. My social impact pioneer today, Levar Jackson, has been thinking very deeply about this. Levar is a hospitality designer, so buckle up to learn about pragmatic solutions for the hotel industry on sustainability. There are so many more than I had ever thought of. LeVar is going to share the lessons that he has learned on his journey as the founder and CEO of Yo Group, which works in partnership with Oregon University to design sustainable technologies for the hospitality industry, such as the Kwai Energy System for electricity and the Algae Growth System to provide food and biofuel. Yo Group is designing sustainable hotels for, which include art museums, culinary institutes, and agricultural production, connecting co-supportive industries in one space. So, Levar,
1: welcome. Hi, um, great to be here.
0: Oh, it's good to have you, sir. I, I'm super delighted to to be joined by you today and to have this conversation because we're going to talk about hotels and sustainability and and really kind of what making minimum impact means when you're in your leisure time. But I wonder if you wouldn't mind, could you start by painting us a picture in words (laughs) of what is meant by designing sustainable technologies for the hospitality industry? Because that's how you coin it. And, you know, it's quite quite specific.
1: So a hotel, it's kind of like the TARDIS, but backwards. So you think of a hotel as being a gigantic, you know, structure compared to a home, but actually per person is much smaller and the impact is much higher of your energy usage or or, or, or um, something like that. So a family of three normally lives in a thousand square foot home, goes to a hotel, is 300 square feet. The square footage usage per person is much higher. The demands are much higher when it comes to uh, electricity, heating, cooling, and water usage per square foot. So you actually have to take those systems and somehow squish them down into this room because you still have individualized HVAC systems because people want different temperatures based on their own personal needs. So you have to take certain things and kind of miniaturize them while also expanding much of the thing. So hot water systems, they have to be the most robust things on the planet because everyone loves a hot a good hot shower and they get to the hotel and the, everyone does it almost at the exact same time. So right as that check-in comes in, everyone comes into their rooms, people want to take a shower because they've been traveling for the day. So you have to take that sustainable technology and work it around hotel usage. So typically sustainable technologies are built for the home and then they're somehow converted in. I'm doing it the other way so that we already meet these needs here at this large facility, which is mildly miniaturized.
0: Makes so much sense. But I also hadn't really thought about what it actually takes to make a hotel work. Like not the, you know, the lovely, amazing people that you meet at the front desk and how beautiful that is, but actually the, <laughs> the systems that go into it. So thank you for for pulling the, pulling the curtain back on that one, Navar. Um, But how did you get into this? I mean, can you share a bit about your own journey? What brought you to the point where you are thinking about miniaturizing sustainability, practical ways of running hotels?
1: I had a very nonlinear way of getting to where I am. And when I mean I've done every job except for food service because I'm incredibly clumsy, I've done it. worked at, you know, TSA for years ago. I've done so many things. In the hospitality industry, I started out selling art to hotels. And I found art on canvas that I found that that's highly wasteful because the canvas isn't reusable afterwards, after it's been painted on, and it has to be effectively thrown away. If it's in good condition, you can sell it, but usually they're not in good condition just based on the duty cycle of a hotel room. And I did find a reusable canvas that was only one penny more per square foot. Hotels refused to buy it. I had it for 15 years, not one single sale because the ROI wasn't there. So you know, COVID hit the pandemic. Business went on pause. Basically, you know, art sales dried up, and I had a friend who was getting into the green industry, and I decided to go with him. And particularly, we were dealing around like carbon credits and evaluating whether they're good or not. And they're on a huge spectrum. Some are highly effective, and I absolutely love those. And there are high, there are some that are highly ineffective and borderline on fraud in my mind. Uh, there's a lot of number games and greenwashing, and I thought. This is my time. This is my reset. If I'm going to go back to the hospitality industry, I've done and loved art sales for 15 years. I would like to do more and I wanted to focus more on the green industry. So the whole point of this company is to make being sustainable and impactful more profitable than being non-sustainable. And it's been a wild journey, I will say that much.
0: Oh my God, it sounds epic. And and also just to bring those different multiple talents, experiences, insights to bear in in one place. It's just so important. So, LaVar, I wanted to sort of ask you, therefore, what are you working on right now? What is it that's kind of really keeping you awake? What's your mission? What are you going to, what should we see from you in the next year or so?
1: We are working on a uh, sustainable and impactful hotel, not just a hotel, but an entire brand around it, by being able to use our own technology that we've built in-house, so we can provide electricity, power, and cooling to not only the property sustainably, but also the surrounding community. I think that we need to change the dynamic of what hotels are to the community and how they uh, interact, particularly um, even if a hotel is 100% sustainable, it's got LED lights and all these things, there's still a draw, there's still a consumer of sustainable things or or, or electricity or, or needs. We want to become a producer of those things. So you change the cause and effect effectively where of course hotels and, and hospitality provides jobs, but what goes beyond that? How can we go into an area that is dependent on tourism and have it be just as equitable an experience as if it were a, an office building where you know you, you can put down a resort in you know, a developing nation. The resort may have power because they have their own energy generation, but the town around it may not or may not have a stable source of power. How can you give back to that community in a way that is fair to yourself, fair to them, and it's building the community and hotel together?
0: I was wondering, given that space, given that unique position that you hold, LeVar, what are the trends and the technologies that you're particularly seeing and perhaps most excited about? And, and, Maybe like in particular to that kind of hotel, sustainable hotel development space.
1: So the trend that I love the most, and I think is an overarching trend, is that not one sustainable technology is going to rule them all. We've got very used as a society saying like, oh, burn oil, this is going to work. And it obviously didn't work for us where uh, climate change is concerned and the planet's concerned and also health, our health. So solar panels may not work in one explicit place wind turbines may work better here or there, being contextually based, sustainable uh, technologies are what, what's necessary to drive us forward. Being able to pick the best tool to use on site and being able to generate microgrids that way, I think is like the best trend that I can see. Taking the context. So we've gotten very used to contextual design and we, we, we implore that where it's the hotel should look this way because it's in this neighborhood, in this city, and it draws from the heritage of this and uses this material because it's like this kind of you know storytelling. We have to do that with sustainability. And we're starting to turn the corner. We're like, hey, you know, bamboo may be a, a terribly, you know, fantastically green thing, but if you're carting it from halfway across the world, maybe it's not that good. And perhaps looking for something more locally is a a better, a better way of going through things. What I I love the movement to heat pumps. Heat pumps are a fantastic uh, technology. Heat pumps will eventually be ineffective. And that's why I mean, we need to make sure that we use things that are contextually based, based on the the actual property itself or the area itself. I'm very happy with the way our heating systems and hotels are moving where it comes to hot water, where they're doing micro heaters, not just one gigantic tank. Micro heaters are fantastic tools. I, I love, you know, solar panels and solar heaters. Those are absolutely fantastic. If you've got it, you know, use it. Try to create a system that's as close to zero waste as possible. Of course, zero waste is a, doesn't violate some thermodynamic laws, but making sure that we capture as much as we can, doing what we with what we have, I think, is the best trend that we have.
0: Amazing, and and can I I, I want to pop something in there? You mentioned that heat pumps will become ineffective. What does that mean? There's a bit of weird controversy going on here. I'm sitting in the UK and there's all this sort of strange pushback around heat pumps at the moment. W- what does that mean to you? Why did you call them ineffective?
1: So when you have a large city that's made of concrete and you reach a saturation point of past 85%, heat island becomes your worst enemy, uh, heat island effect. So effectively, concrete and glass, they absorb all this heat and then kick it back into the buildings at night. Your heat pumps are basically pushing the heat from inside the building outside, which, which then is absorbed by concrete and all the things and thrown back into the buildings. So it becomes a point where it's, you're bailing out a ship with a cup. That's the best analogy I have for that. So you you have to also, as you're doing your heat pumps and you're moving that way, you also have to green the cities, plant more trees, things that actually defer the heat and do more green roofing so that heat pumps will remain effective. If you just leave it as it is, I live in New York City. We're very, we do have parks and things, but we're still a concrete city heat pumps will become ineffective fairly quickly here.
0: I ah, got it. Thank you so much for taking me through that. And so everybody listening, it's the, we've got to green up the cities at the same time. It's not one piece of tech that's going to solve everything. It's about like thinking about the holistic. So Levar, I was just wondering, sort of clearly what you're talking about here in terms of hospitality and hotels and changing the way we think about them is really exciting. Makes lots of sense, but also might for some hotels be like, you know, this is a step too far. You know, we can do a little bit of this, but not massive. How are you finding the hospitality kind of industry as a whole? How are they receiving all this innovation and and sort of ideas?
1: Very slowly. Uh, That is the best way I can do it. They want proven technologies that are low maintenance because, for instance, we'll take heat pumps and you have your HVAC system. There's a smaller one in the hotel. At home, if the if your um, HVAC system goes, you could just open some windows and you'll just deal with it. If you know your HVAC system goes in a hotel room, the hotel room is now, can't be rented out and it has to be fixed and is down for however, however long that takes to fix it, it's a negative on your balance sheet. So hotels are much more cautious because they don't know how long these things will last. The maintenance, even though you say, oh, it's low maintenance when you're designing it, in the real world, with human interaction, it could be something that's not really sustainable from a cash point. So they're, mu- they're much lower to adopt. They're trying to adopt things that work well in smaller spaces that, are, you know, individualized homes, then, then miniaturizing that and then having that put into hotels. Hotels need to be the innovators for their own industry, not just the receivers of those industries 20 years late. Everyone is still talking about LED lighting. I had LED lighting in my house 20 years ago. So we're so far behind the curve, perhaps we should push in front of the curve and get in front of that and 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 figure out how that works best for hotels in, in and of itself.
0: So LaVar, you've talked you know very succinctly about the technology that the hospitality sector need to adopt, but you've also said it's being quite slow. From your experience, I mean, what have you learned? How do we start overcoming that kind of hurdle?
1: Well, we should definitely focus on the people at that point. So if it's, I'll be very capitalist about this. If the area surrounding your hotel is impoverished, that's a potential revenue stream that you can do. So if you can help build that community up by providing them electricity, heating and cooling, providing them with good jobs, those people will then spend that money on your property. If they have family that then comes visits, they're gonna recommend that they stay on your property. It's a capital moment that increases your revenue while also helping people you can be both you can make money and also be good to people they don't have to be polar opposites
0: hotels and um, hospitality is is clearly kind of one sector and we're sitting at a point where trying to adopt greener or cleaner mechanisms technology innovation is is something that we need to spread (laughs) it needs to go viral what do you think that other sectors could potentially learn from your work and from what the hospitality sector is going through?
1: So for my work is being more profitable by being sustainable and impactful. If you can figure that out or make the business plan around that, everyone will just move there anyway because that's where the money is. It's a you know a capitalist society. If the money is there, you don't need to force people to do it. So looking at moments where you can recapture either lower your costs of operation or capture uh, an event for uh, income. So if you're providing power to the community, you can do it at lower than their normal rates, but that's still an income stream. If you want to give it back to the community for free, you can do that as well. It, taking those, you have we have all these tools and we're not using them in a way that is profitable. Once we do that, then everything is just going to work out perfectly.
0: I hope so. But you did just talk briefly there about investments. And I was wondering whether, from your experience, I mean, what are you finding as the kind of hurdles and the challenges on your sort of journey towards trying to create more sustainable hotels?
1: From my journey going through this, I found that sustainable and impactful things are seen as a, li- a corporate liability, where I see it's the opposite it's an advantage for, particularly around hospitality and corporations. Everyone seems to think that climate change is an individual challenge where it's just as, as a corporate liability as it is a personal one. We'll take for example, a hotel on the beach. If there's a storm that used to come around 100 years but it's happening every 10 years and it's damaging properties on the on the um, beach, they'll very much focus on the on the individual homes that are on the beach. but there's a hotel down the street on that same beach that is destroyed as well. Is a corporate liability just as much. And when you figure that out to actual cost of operations, it is more profitable by being sustainable and fighting climate change than just allowing it to continue. You could go into insurance rates. If that hotel keeps getting hit by you know storms, or your insurance rate quadruple, quadruple, or in fact, you become uninsurable, which is one of the largest um uh, corporate liabilities you can ever have. And investors don't want to see that. So I think we're starting to see the insurance companies coming to to bear that certain locations are uninsurable or or high, have a high cost of insurance so there are, you know certain parts of the US that have insurance companies that are no longer touching which includes florida and the gulf coast of the US the best way of doing that is being by being sustainable and impacting the people around you what i mean by being impactful is that the people that live in those areas also know they have the best tools to to mitigate their things so you come in with a very open mind involve people that are in the area they can pull that and help you with the sustainability at lower cost than you think so you don't need to hire a gigantic you know EIS firm uh, environmental impact study uh you know firm you can just go and ask local communities say hey they'll give you the the, the goods we looked at property in Central America and they're like hey this river floods every 3 months And it was right on property, right? It ran right through the middle of property. And I wasn't really for a risk on my, you know, the first property to have a flood risk that high. I think being open, honest, and looking at all the numbers is our best bet against ignorance. I guess ignorance may not be the best word for that, but to get get others involved, I should say.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And so for anybody listening, you know, that sort of piece around insurance, I was was sitting next to and talking to somebody from a big reinsurer the other day, and he was, you know, he was talking about the fact that with so many places potentially uninsurable, that insurance is going to have to become a basically a kind of public lowest common denominator service, really, you know, there is just the commercial piece in there is questionable, which is slightly frightening. I was just wondering, sort of pulling it back then for the work that you're doing and your mission that you're on, what do you see that's next for you? What What are your kind of next sort of big hurdles that you're trying to get over and and the opportunities you're, you're trying to grasp will make a reality?
1: I will say, at least for myself, if you're designing something that is sustainable, use off-the-shelf parts for your demo. Don't, in nothing bespoke. At When you're starting out, you can't create the, you know, Supply chain from the day one, use as many off-the-shelf parts as possible because getting something milled to within tolerance of something else, and the engineers in, in you know in the audience will love this, is one of the biggest headaches and time sinks that I've ever dealt with. What's next for myself is uh, we'll be working on our first property. We've got all of our suppliers ready. Everyone's lined up. We're looking at fantastic properties um, all over the world. Uh, and would love to hear everyone else's thoughts when it comes to what we're doing. If someone thinks they can help, uh, please reach out. That's the I love to hear from other people and and their their take on things.
0: Oh well, on that note, I'm going to put it out there. Anybody, if you like to get in touch, I'll put links into the chat or into the words that sit alongside at the podcast, so that you definitely can reach out and definitely be part of the part of the movement too. Uh, so that we can all hopefully kind of change all the sectors as we're going along. Um, LaVar, massive thank you for your time today and for sharing your wisdom, your experience and your expertise. Thank you. Thank you. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty.